Hello, and welcome back to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert, and today I'm joined by Linda Fleming, who started her career in corporate sales, then got her JD, practiced as a litigator, transitioned into legal marketing, and now is the Director of Marketing and Business Development, Garvey Schubert Bearer, where she's had this role for the last five years. Linda, great to have you with us. Great to be with you, David. Thanks for inviting me. Linda, how big is Garvey Schubert? We are 100 attorneys, five offices, Seattle, Portland, Oregon, New York City, Washington, D.C., and Beijing. And interestingly, we were started by three entrepreneurial University of Washington Law School grads that came out of law school and said, you know what, we want to build our own thing. And so 50 years later, here we are at 100 attorneys. That's great. So how big is your department? It's a team of four. And I took a very strategic approach to building the team so that we would have skills and capabilities that are very complementary. And I can truly say that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. So among our team, besides myself, I have a person that focuses on marketing and content strategy, but with a bent towards supporting our business development efforts. We have a marketing coordinator that does all the things you would expect a marketing coordinator to do, including managing our blogs and managing our social media. And then we've got a market researcher analyst, which we feel very fortunate to have a lot of marketing departments that don't have this component. And our person came out of the financial services industry, joined a law firm in LA, and uh, we're very fortunate to snag him for our team. So he plays a really key role in helping arm our attorneys with good insights about what's going on with their clients' businesses, their industries, um, preparing them to go out for client pitches. And then I focus primarily on business development strategy. I work closely with firm executive management to decide what we're going to do, implement projects, and then, of course, I manage the budget. In addition to that, we do have internal and external resources that augment the team. So I know your team is doing some particularly interesting things around product development, which is the holy grail these days. A lot of firms are looking for how to get out of the selling time for money model. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the product development and this client update service that you've developed? Sure. Um, so the genesis of this was with the advent of recreational marijuana being legalized in Washington and Oregon, the firm, true to its entrepreneurial roots, founded a full-service cannabis practice to serve this fledgling industry. And one of the things that the, the head of the practice was concerned about is the rapid way that the industry was evolving and trying to sort of stay on top of the news and keep their clients informed about what was going on. So our market researcher started a weekly project to curate all of the news around the cannabis industry, pick out the most salient, important news items, package that up, send it off to the partner who would then put his gloss on the information and then send it off to the clients. And they love it because it's news they can use. It's something they can quickly digest, high value. So we thought, well, where else could we try this? And our hospitality practice focuses a lot on the OTA space, so the online travel agency space. And that's also evolving rapidly and changing all the time. And so the head of our hospitality practice uh, we, we put the same package together, the same product, and he sent it off sort of as a test to uh, a decision maker at a, a well-known global hotel brand that's a client. 
they went, they just went nuts. They said, this is fabulous. You know, we have access to this information, but for you guys to streamline it like this for us is invaluable. And then he asked if he could send it out uh, enterprise-wide. So, you know, we, it, it not only adds value, but we're continually top of mind with our clients. Is this something you've considered monetizing at some point? We're doing it as a value add to our clients. And right now we think that that's a good way to go. Yeah, great way to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. Well, one of the other ways that you, I think, are differentiating yourself is in your approach to business development training. Now, you currently have a 24-month business development training program, so that's two years of BD training driven by a team of external coaches. Can you talk a little bit about that initiative and how it's going? Yeah, so I designed this program around what I think are our particular needs in the firm as you know, it's a long sales cycle and professional services selling. And 24 months is kind of the magic number. We're asking our participants to set some pretty substantial stretch goals, and we wanted to give them enough time to reach those goals. So the program consists of monthly workshops with uh, monthly individual coaching sessions for the first 12 months. And those are being conducted by external trainers and coaches my team is supporting sort of the execution of what the participants are learning and doing in the course of the program. So based on what I perceive the needs to be, really starting with the basics. And the participants will say, well, you know, we've heard this stuff before, but they haven't yet learned to cross the divide between knowing and doing. So this is about hearing it again, but then really doing it. One of the first things that they're asked to do is to pick what our trainer calls niches. She's emphasized that in today's world, trying to be all things to all people is, is a tough place to compete from. So she's working with them to identify, okay, what are, you, what are you passionate about or at least interested about? Is it an industry or a particular sector? And then identifying what she calls their watering holes. Where do people in those sectors or industries go to share information? Where do they go to network? Um, where do they go to learn about what's happening in the industry? So my team works uh, to do the research around, okay, they've selected a niche. We're doing the research around where would be good places for them to go to meet others, get known, and find business. So it sounds like you're doing some follow-through. It's not just an exercise in helping your lawyers become more knowledgeable when it comes to business development, but there's this 24-month span. You're really expecting them to cross a particular finish line. So is there activity tracking? Is there a reward of activity throughout the process? Yes. We're tracking in a couple of different ways. One is simply they are tracking the non-billable time that they're devoting to the program under a special number so we can see you know, exactly how much time they are spending. Using spreadsheets, we're tracking their activities. They're learning to build and manage a pipeline. So they're also tracking contacts, you know, where they are with those contacts and what's the next step. And so we're sort of just tracking, what did you do? What did you learn? Does this look like a good watering hole for you or do you need to try something else? Because we're also tying this to, of course, the business development budget and the expenses that are going into this. Sure. I'm sure you're seeing those trends rise as the program continues to reach its pinnacle. How many months in are you in at this point? We're only four months in. Um, I think you mentioned something about tracking activity as well as results. So one of the things I impressed upon firm executive management for this program to work 
is to recognize and reward people for engaging in the right activities. So that's why it's really important for us to work closely with the participants around what they're actually doing. And if they need to course correct, you know, we can give them ideas and um, input on other things they might want to try. So the program then sort of segues into, all right, I've developed a pipeline. I've got contacts. I want to now convert that into business. Okay, what do I do now? How do I conduct a business development meeting likely to result in work? You know, how do I conduct that meeting to understand what the client's needs are? How do I propose solutions? How do I convert this prospect into a client? And in that part of the program, we're also focusing on collaboration. So another aspect to the program is that they'll be working at some point as teams to expand a particular key client relationship and learn how to do that working together. So ultimately, they each have an individual goal at the 24-month mark, but they also have an even larger group stretch goal that they can only get to if they work together collaboratively. Oh, that's really smart. It's a way of uh, having them practice this under some supervision and with some guidance from uh, your team and the external coaches you're working with. I applaud you on what is clearly a a very ambitious project uh, at the firm. I can't emphasize enough in a program like this, the value of bringing in external resources to train and coach the lawyers, um, particularly on the coaching side. Because what I often hear uh, when you're talking to lawyers about business development is, you know, I'm just too busy. And I've come to the conclusion that for most people, that's code for, you know what, I don't know what to do. I'm not comfortable doing it. And so our coach is uh, working with them to do what she calls take out the head trash so that they can get past some of those obstacles. And they're much more comfortable sharing that in a confidential conversation with an external coach than they're going to be with me or anybody on my team. Makes sense. So I'm sure while you may not be coaching your lawyers, you're coaching the uh, folks on your team, mentoring them and continuing to help them develop at the firm. What kinds of mentorship and advice do you find yourself sharing uh, with the younger legal marketers who work for you? Well, one of the key things I emphasize is part of their job is to learn the law firm. You know, like we tell the attorneys, you know, you need to demonstrate an understanding of your client's business and industry. We need to do that internally as well. To have credibility, it's very important. And also to understand, you know, how how do law firms make money? A lot of people in marketing, I think, don't have a firm grasp on that. And it's really important to understand all those aspects of law firm business to be able to serve your client base. Of course, staying abreast of what's happening in the legal industry, uh, getting active in LMA, you know, going to conferences, uh, and then, you know, just be curious and ask informed questions. Do your homework so you're asking good questions, but then don't be afraid to ask. And I think the other thing that's really important is to to be proactive and not just reactive. So, you know, it's, it's easy to kind of just stay in your office and wait for the ticket to come in, but you need to really think about what could I do that an attorney might not think about, or what can I bring to the table that's a new idea. And we have a great team, again, like I said, that we bounce ideas off of each other all the time. And so I think it's nice to have somebody that you can sort of float your idea with before you go to the attorney. But then, you know, don't be afraid to go post something that might be new or different. Yes. So how do you tie this 
uh, guidance that you provide to your marketers, the training you're providing to the lawyers and all of the various other services your team uh, serves up to them. How do you tie all of that to ROI? That's always the $10,000 question, and I'm just wondering uh, how you address it at your firm. Well, I would love to say that we have this elaborate system that I can just push a button and create a report that ties the resources that we've expended to uh, dollars in the door, but we don't have that. So a lot of how we measure it is anecdotal. So for example, if we have prepared a, a tailored pitch deck or we've done some research or we've sat down and coached an attorney before they go out on a, on a client or a prospect pitch, we follow up. What happened? Did we get the work? Uh, we look for matters being opened in the conflicts check emails so that we can kind of tie what we did to work coming in the door. And then I mentioned the client updates that we provide. We count that client feedback as ROI. And then in the business development training program, I think we touched a bit on this, just using tools to track the time and resources that the attorneys have put in, track the dollars that we've devoted from the business development budget to activities that they're engaged in. So those are our primary measures. Yeah. That's great. That's very helpful. I think others listening to the podcast are always looking to answer that question for themselves. So it's good to hear some examples from colleagues. And then last question, where do you yourself go for innovation, inspiration? You mentioned LMA. I'm wondering if that's one of your watering holes and if there are any others that you go to for regular guidance and and new ideas. Earlier in my career, LMA was certainly one of my watering holes. I've opted to send my team members instead of myself in recent years. But I, you know, I've developed over the course of my career a, a network of colleagues that I stay in touch with and can call on for inspiration, intel, um, commiserate. <laughs> and I mentioned, too, just brainstorming with my team. They're just a delightful group of people that spend a lot of time thinking about the profession, about the firm, about what's going on outside in other professional service milieus. And it's great. We can just sit there and come up with a bunch of ideas. And a lot of them aren't workable, but it helps us come up with ways to move forward. And then, of course, I read extensively. I read the Harvard Business Review, lots of business books. And I just, this is an interesting area that I want to do more in. So our managing partner who's in the hospitality practice recently went to a hospitality industry conference, and there was an author of a new book called Edge Strategy, A New Mindset for Profitable Growth. And essentially, it's about identifying substantial opportunities for growth that are often hidden in plain sight but are at the edge of of the core business. So you've already got resources there. It's not like you have to go out and acquire a whole new set of resources, but it's really about looking for those opportunities at the edge. So one example, which is outside of legal, is recently learned that Walmart has the solution to monetize unused existing warehouse space by renting it out to others, even outside of retail. And so they had to come up with some sort of special sort of leasing documents to accommodate that. But that's an example of what this book's about. And we're really interested in applying some of that to our own firm to see where some of those hidden opportunities might be for us. Very good. Well, I wish you all the luck with that. I I also am encouraged to hear that you are surrounded by what sounds like an enthusiastic group of creative thinkers on your team 
I'm sure if we did another podcast interview in six months, there'd be uh, several new uh, initiatives, products, and and uh, training programs afoot at your firm. So I applaud you in fostering a dynamic at the firm that uh, encourages that kind of contribution from your team. Linda, it's been a pleasure. Uh, once again, you're listening to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert, and uh, we've been hearing from Linda Fleming. Linda, thanks so much for sharing your time and your ideas with us. Thank you, David. We look forward to having all of you on our next podcast episode.